As we begin this morning, I want to welcome you on this beautiful uh, June Sunday morning. Um, we uh, pray that God will bless us with fellowship and spirits in worship and uh, ask that you would join me in the opening preparatory prayer. Give me a pure heart that I may see thee, a humble heart that I may hear thee, a heart of love that I may serve thee, a heart of faith that I may abide in thee. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. On this beautiful, sunny June morning, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Be not afraid, for God is in our midst. And our strength, especially present with us in troubling times. When things happen over which we have no control, be not afraid. God is in midst. God's way is the way of peace. Therefore, God is glorified when peace reigns. We're not afraid. For the God of peace is in our midst. Come, let us worship the Lord. We are called to spiritual renewal by the words of the Apostle Paul in the Epistle of Romans, chapter 12. He writes to the Christians in Rome, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. Here we are, O God, we present ourselves to you, but how little we trust you to provide, how we fear the path to which you call us, how wayward we continue to be. We have been slaves to sin, which leads to death. You call us to obedience, which leads to righteousness and life. Lord, forgive our lack of faith and loyalty. Make us obedient from the heart, generous to the people you send our way, and open to your beautiful grace. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. 
Testament writer says that Christ came to forgive our sins and to set us free. And if we are free in Christ, we are free indeed. Therefore, in Christ, today, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so let us live. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Faithful God, your love stands firm from generation to generation. Your mercy is always abundant. Give us open and understanding hearts that having heard your word, we may seek Christ's presence in all whom we meet. The first lesson is taken from Genesis chapter 22. It is the narrative of the offering of Isaac. Hear now the word of God. After these things, God tested Abraham. God said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Father? And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us from the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 10. And here Christ speaks to us of the ministry of hospitality. Hear now the word of God. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In these troubled economic times, I get lots of spam email on my computer. Now, for those of you who are not computer savvy, that's junk mail. And a lot of that junk mail tends to be employment or finance oriented. And one of the most common pieces of junk mail I get are the suggested top five or seven trainings and professions that are going to make money and job opportunities in the near future. And one of those, believe it or not, is the hospitality industry. Because the dollar is weaker now on the market, there is the assumption that in the near future, tourism in the United States from abroad is going to increase. And so the argument is that management jobs and management positions will become um, flourishing. When I saw that, I asked myself, what does it mean to be a hospitality manager? How do you manage hospitality? How many of you, especially you young ladies, uh, have entertained people in your homes? Okay. Um, how many of you have uh, kept people overnight, for instance? Yeah? What are the kinds of things that you do when you are hosting, when you are being hospitable? Raul. As we say in Spanish, como en tu casa. As if you were at your own home. Yeah. Okay. Any other ideas? Any other practices? How do we make somebody hospitably welcome in our homes. Does being hospitable 
as a host or hostess mean that we make some sacrifices? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It may mean that when you go to the bathroom, someone else might be in there. And so you have to wait, which you typically don't have to do. Or there may be a situation where you have to give up a bed that you normally sleep in and sleep in, somewhere, sleep in some other bed or somewhere else in the house. Such is the story you see of the Old Testament that we read today. When you read the story of Abraham offering Isaac, there is a conundrum that we have to deal with. And even our Jewish brethren have to deal with this. Tremendous writing within the Talmud and the Mishnah and among the philosophies of both Jewish and Christian philosophers deals with this passage of the offering of Isaac. Because you see, in other places of the Old Testament, human beings as offerings to God are completely prohibited. It is absolutely wrong in the mind of the God revealed in the scriptures that a human being should be offered to God as a sacrifice. The struggle you have to have as a Christian is that if you recognize or see in the story of the offering of Isaac the work of Christ, you have a double conundrum. Because if Christ, in fact, takes our place on the altar, we have not a ram caught in the thicket, but we have another what? Another human being. So beyond our Jewish brothers and sisters' struggle with the idea of God even suggesting a human sacrifice, we as Christians, when we try to make an application of the story, end up saying that another human being takes Isaac's place. And Isaac, in the metaphor, becomes us. So what is this all about? What is going on in this passage? In the Abrahamic passage, who in fact is being hospitable? Abraham. How so? And who is the guest in the story? Who would be the guest in the story? If Abraham's the host, who would be the guest? Aha. Very good. You're getting it. I'm glad. Abraham is the host. God is the guest. Okay? So now, what is going on with the idea of Ab or Isaac being offered on the altar? Hmm? Yeah, I I Isaac becomes the sacrifice, does he not? Isaac becomes the way of making the host happy. It's the idea of somehow appeasing God by frying Isaac on the altar. Okay, that's basically what it boils down to. The passage does not make sense, ladies and gentlemen, unless we understand the point of the whole event. The point of the whole event is that God will provide. 
That, you see, is the thrust of the entire event. In the provision of the ram, God saves the life of Isaac. In the provision that God gives to Isaac in this moment, he is demonstrating the deepest level of being hospitable. He is showing Abraham that the sacrifice that he made in his willingness to offer Isaac is honored by God's sacrifice of giving him the ram to offer instead. In other words, God is demonstrating to Abraham and to us that you cannot outdo the hospitality of God. And the struggle that we have with another human being being offered in our place demonstrates a key element of our theology, that Jesus Christ is not just a human being. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The work of Christ on our behalf, in our place, is God's providing our redemption in, of, and through God, God's self. So our redemption, as later on uh, the prophets would say, our salvation, our redemption is totally of the Lord. And so when we come to the New Testament passage and Jesus is talking to his disciples, the direct application of our redemption, the direct application of our salvation, the direct application of being a disciple called to serve Jesus Christ as Lord is that we be hospitable. It is that we give to the needs of others out of our own bounty sacrificially. And Jesus has no problem saying there is a direct reward for that. There is a benefit to that. And that benefit is part of the blessing that comes in our being hospitable. There are lots of cultures, lots of cultures that see hospitality as something inherent to human nature. All of the Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, teach that hospitality is one of the divine graces. That the idea of being hospitable is a divine concept, not a human one. This is why for basically millennia, places of sacred worship, tabernacle, temples, houses of prayer, church buildings, cathedrals, masjids, are places where you go to find shelter and refuge, even if you are guilty. Why? Why is the house of God a place where we can go to be safe? Why is it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Your life itself becomes a hospitality to others. The way you treat people, the way you live out your life in and amongst other people is a form of hospitality, exactly. And that that becomes, this hospitality becomes not only just a divine grace, but a divine principle for the way we live. When we said this morning, the call to faithful living, what did we say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then what? All your mind, and then you shall love your... And what is the measure of love in both of those commandments? Hospitality. The measure of that love is your hospitality and willingness to sacrificially be generous to the needs of others. To want the well-being both of God and God's kingdom and of God's people. You see, this is an intricate design to the divine life that we are given as Christians. It is undeniably who we are. So what am I going to say? I'm going to say to you that our ministries of hospitality, whether it is giving away food or giving away space and beds in our building, is a participation in righteousness, in divine righteousness. It is an expression not only of what we do as Christians, but who we are. It's amazing to me how many times in the course of the past year or two, as we've begun these new ministries, that people will come to this building completely off the streets or out of nowhere, and because of word of mouth, will say, can you help me? I need this. And at first, the immediate response of the person who I am, I don't know about you, but is the immediate response I have is, oh, great. Now we're going to get everybody coming to our back door asking for a handout. But the truth of the matter is this. If this is the only place where a person in need can think of to come, what does that say about our testimony to who God is? What if our ministry to them is the only expression of divine love they ever hear or see or experience? There's part of me that struggles every time that that happens to me. When the person rings the doorbell on the side door or comes to the door and knocks or peeks in my window of my office and scares the bejeepers out of me and says, I just need $5 for the train ticket or, you know, I just need $10 to buy food for my family. And I think to myself, if we hadn't started these ministries, I wouldn't have these people knocking at the door in the window. And yet what it says down deeper, at a much deeper level, is that the love of God is spread abroad by what we are and what we are doing as a congregation. And I believe that there is a blessing that comes with that. I believe that we will see ourselves as a congregation of people, a community of people, blessed because we have been faithful with what we have been given.
today as we come to the healing service. Be assured of this, that as much as we have been provided with the ways and the means to minister hospitality to others, God can provide every one of our needs as well. And as we come to God today for healing and wholeness, we can know that the righteousness of God in us, because the Spirit dwells in us, can actually make us whole, spiritually, physically, mentally, completely. Let's pray. Faithful God, your love stands firm from generation to generation. Your mercy is always abundant. Give us open and understanding hearts that having heard your word, we may seek Christ's presence in all whom we meet. Amen. Together let us confess, saying, We believe in God, creator and sustainer of all life who calls us as partners in the healing and redemption of the world. We believe that God, in Jesus Christ, is revealed as the one who covenants with and for humanity and all life on earth. We live within the promise that Jesus Christ came so that all might have life in fullness. We believe that God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us a basis for global life in respect for creation, restoration of community, transformation of the individual, a just distribution of resources, and celebration of life for all. We believe that the way nations and the world community organize the household of human life remains at all times accountable to God. Human beings are always called to choose between the one true God and the false gods of wealth and power. We believe that in our day, the Church is especially called to stand by suffering people and to voice the cry of the earth in the face of mounting economic injustice and ecological destruction, so that justice may roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We believe that God calls us to follow Jesus Christ in bringing good news to the poor and health and healing to those who are ill, proclaiming freedom to the captives and peace in a world of war, embracing the outcast and excluded, honoring diversity, and treating women and men as equal partners in church and society. We believe that the congregation, the people of God, the body of Christ, the community of the Spirit is called to be a sign, a witness, and a sacrament of the mission of God in every place. Obedience is the measure of our faith. As it was in the beginning, 
is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Of the abundance that God has given, we bring tithes and gifts and offerings to the worship of God for the purpose of God's kingdom and its ministry among us. seated? Yes, and uh, next Sunday there's a special treat. Um, if you got a newsletter this week, you'll, you'll know about th- what that is, but we're going to have some fun in the service next Sunday as well. Uh, uh, it, w- it will be a, a fun time together. I want to remind you that this week is the fish shelter, um, and I need to have those people who were going to talk to Judy about when you're going to serve or would like to serve the meal, supper meal, this week. Please check with me during the fellowship time to tell me when that is so that I can give that information to Judy when she returns home later on tonight. Um, she was wanting, to do that, wanting me to do that in her stead today. So I'll be, uh, I'll be taking that information down for her. Okay? If there are no other announcements... As we go forth from this place, let us join in singing our closing hymn.
Being mindful of everything that we do for others, we do it unto God. Let us go from this place knowing that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abides with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever. And all God's people said,